0: Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got Mr. Rohan Karamandi. How's it going? Hey, I am well. How are you? This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabu Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. The configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML.
1: It's a little late, but happy new year, everyone.
0: 2022.2, the first release for the new year. We're finally here. That's right. So obviously, this is the second episode we've got for the year. Yep. Yeah. It was a break for Home Assistant over the, uh that they, they took January off to Christmas and, and just give all the developers at Nabucasa and, of course, in the community, a bit of a no pressure to have a, a release out over that time, which does give us, you know, what eight weeks worth of Home Assistant pull requests coming into, uh, you know, to GitHub and, and out to now this release. So it's a pretty massive uh, release, yeah. I think.
1: Um, oh, so there was, like, over 2000 or 2500 uh yeah like
0: crazy, changes right? that have
1: gone in yeah 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 it's it's insane so I, again so as as usual this is going to be kind of a brief synopsis of what's in there and and you know stuff that phil and i found interesting and so you know go through the actual release notes and see what's going on there and then and uh, there might be other stuff too but uh, hopefully we've captured most of uh the key points here Yeah,
0: two and a half thousand merged contributions. I think that, yeah, that's a a new record for Home Assistant as well. So,
1: yeah, that's crazy.
0: All right. So, one thing that came out uh, just a couple of weeks ago is uh, there was a blog post done by Paulus, the founder of Home Assistant on, you know, homeassistant.io, of their vision for 2022. And, Mm -hmm. They're calling it streamlining experiences. So their, you know, goal for this year is to focus on, you know, how they can improve and streamline, you know, user experiences in Home Assistant. So uh, one example, uh, Paulus gave was um, there should be a built-in way for both the YAML and user interface to easily send a notification with a camera snapshot to your phone or pick a song to play for an automation, or use text-to-speech to notify you when something is happening. Mm-hmm. All these things are possible today, but require too much knowledge of how the various parts work, which I yeah. think is true, you know. Uh, you know, you've either, And, of course, you know, you've got to think about uh, from a brand-new user's perspective, they're coming on, they want to, you know, play a song in an automation, they're going to find people that have got it done in YAML, they have got to find people that are doing it in a certain way in the UI, or, you know, a mix-of-match in, in both, right? So, yeah in terms of, you know, streamlining, you know, a lot of things, I think from a user experience point of view, this is something uh, that Home Assistant needs. Um, So yeah, totally agree. Uh, And as Paula said, there's, you know, 11 releases this year um, because, you know, we've already missed January. So every release they're going to try and, you know, just take it one month at a time and, every release will have some form of streamlining capability yeah so, and and
1: i think i think it's i think it's cool too because again this this is an important part of making sure everybody it's accessible to everybody right so yes. it's not just a single you know hey you are super technically inclined and there you go um sometimes people a just they want the automation but they don't care to learn things which is completely okay right that mm-hmm. that's that's not a there's no knock on that right so we, you know as as a accessible system it has to cater to somebody like that as well, just as much as it has to cater to somebody um, who is maybe like a Python developer that knows the inner workings of, of Home Assistant, right? So every, every single person should be able to use it nicely. So, which is, which is really cool.
0: So as part of 2022.2, these are some of the things that have been done to start streamlining, Home Assistant. So Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is when an integration has a single device or a single service If you now click on the one device, which is shown in the integration card, it will directly go to that device instead of showing the table with a single device. So I think that's, you know, a fair way to do it. Um, If you click the check for updates in the configuration screen, it will now check updates for, uh, depending on how you're running Home Assistant, it'll check for the core operating system and any add-on updates with a single click saying right? no nice. kind of yeah. check for updates that's what i expect right the visit device slash service and documentation on discovered items so this is something that i have found uh very useful just in running the beta um so over the break i have started a fresh install of home assistant i'm currently running zero automations in my house i know the last episode i was sort of bragging how i've got 300 i'm now running zero <laughs> and uh and you know i'm you know running through um i've gotten no nothing has been no integration i'm running at the moment has been configured through yaml so mm-hmm. having the ability to just go in and find what is that upmp service right like what is that yeah. you know and go to the documentation and bam there it is right uh has been immensely grateful i just yeah
1: yeah that it. way you don't have to you can see the the documentation specific to the one you're running because again especially the older uh, a lot of the older ones have like you know, four different modules integrated uh, that okay. have to do with, you know, whatever one topic, right? So yeah. it's like, okay, so this is that one specifically.
0: And so I'll tell you the problem I had. So I have an Asus uh, router um, mm-hmm. in my home and Home Assistant discovered it on the network and said, hey, why don't you configure this UMP device? Like, great, yeah. fantastic. Put in, I said configure where it went. Um and then I was like, okay, where are my device trackers, right? Because I, I use my phone when it connects to the yep. Wi Fi to say I'm home or not. And I saw and I'll mention this in the release notes in a minute, one of the changes in this beta is that uh you know, device trackers are no longer automatically added to home this it's not great. It must be just a setting somewhere, I'll look for it. And I couldn't find how to enable this device tracker as part of the integration. So it turns out that what I thanks to this, you know. If you visit the documentation. When I visited the documentation, it showed me that I was actually running an integration for a generic router. Get the statistics right. of your internet. Well, I wasn't running the Asus integration. I assumed yeah. I was, but I wasn't. Um, so thanks to that little link, I was able to quickly diagnose. Okay, here's my problem. I actually need to now install the Asus integration, and away I go.
1: So yeah, I, and well, what's 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 nice is again, it's it's. I mean, this isn't just a case of hey, Phil screwed up. I mean, yes, you did. But yep. it's, it's, it's also it's also a bigger thing of, great, well, when that happens, because, again, everybody inevitably does, mm-hmm. right? Um, When that happens, it's that, like, hey, how can I just not deal with this for longer than I have to, right? Yep. So,
0: And now, of course, I look at my integrations page, and I'm like, oh, of course, that's not the ASUS integration, right? It's got yeah, yeah written yeah. right there, right? So,
1: but when you're doing it at 3 in the morning, and you're lacking sleep, exactly. because your baby's been awake all day, all yep. night, whatever, then it's yep. like, okay, you don't, you don't... I don't necessarily Uh, realize. Exactly.
0: Um, And also as part of the streamlining, they've added a new search in the configuration dashboard. So that's in the top right corner if you're interested. Um, But there's two big changes uh, that I'm quite uh, happy to see. um, And they are for scenes and zones. So scenes now have a state. Um, They've also got a last activated timestamp, which is very similar to a button entity. So when you would last pressed a button. I always got so frustrated with scenes, there was always a state was scening. So glad to see that they've actually got a state now. But what I really find interesting is zones. So now instead of zones always having their state set to zoning, whatever that meant, they now show a counter of the number of people, entities in the zone. That's cool. That's cool. So now you can do uh, automations when someone gets home. For example, if the zone state is greater than zero, someone is home. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you know the home zone is now zero, that means nobody's home and you can trigger some actions to do that.
1: Yeah, which is really nice. Uh rather than having like, you know, okay, check this person, check that person, check the third person. Yeah. Yeah. It's just everybody, nobody, or one, two, three. Again, sometimes I don't really care who is here. I just care that someone is here. Yep. So and now you can do
0: an automation like when this person leaves. Or, you know, do, you know, when all your family have left, you know, just to
1: run a check is no one but you at home anymore. Okay. Now shut down the house. Yeah. Yeah. Again, there's, there's, there's use cases for both. Right. Which is mm-hmm. like, Hey, I care when I leave or my wife leaves or something yep. like that. As opposed to when how sometimes it's like, I, I just don't care who leaves just if everyone's yes. gone do yes. this. Yeah, exactly. So, but that's awesome. I, I really like that. So yeah,
0: I thought that was it. A- Fantastic. So yeah, I'm really happy that this is the direction they're taking. It's good to see that this getting some focus this year. Um, yeah, and looking forward to more streamlined in the in the, in the app
1: yeah and 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 I think I think it's been kind of on the back of, of their minds too for a while, um, yep. especially if you see a lot of the messaging around you know we've got to make things easier, we've got to make things better, blah, blah blah. but in this case, it's actually like, hey, no, 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 this is now kind of front and center, and this is where we need to focus, right? So which I think is amazing. Exactly. So let's talk about some uh, some new features uh, that have come into this release. Uh, if you use a media browser, um, you'll notice that it's been renamed to just media, right? And there's now a media control bar that uh, that shows up at the bottom of the screen, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so just like if you're in like Spotify or something like that, you'll actually see that uh, the little piece at the bottom there, which is uh, really neat. And then you can kind of pick your source and do all of that there. So it's it's uh, it's, it's actually pretty cool.
0: It's good to see the media section getting some love. I know there was sort of a, when the media browser first came out, you know, I thought, that's awesome. It's fantastic. And then it sort of like didn't get any love, I felt, for a little bit. But yeah, this little tweak, uh, yeah, big difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking of media, actually, there is now local media support for Sonos, VLC, and Roku. So those components can now play local media. If you're using Sonos, you can now even browse other supported media. For example, if you have set up the Spotify and Sonos integration, you can now browse your Spotify to play it on your Sonos devices. Um, There's also Cast has also got support for Plex in the media browser. So absolutely fantastic
1: there. It's actually it's actually nice to see like again. So it's and I know this is kind of the point, but um, you know it's nice to see that Home Assistant is becoming truly a full home assistant right so like you 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 kind of it's that. i mean you see it on tv and stuff where everybody walks around with like a tablet and they're like oh i can do this i can do that and 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 i mean people have always been able to have that kind of an experience but it's typically costed like you know it's for like the rich right where it's like hey i'm gonna put in this super expensive control 4 system or something like that which um Or, or, uh, I mean, again, control board doesn't have to be super expensive, but, but typically when you see this kind of stuff, it's like very high end, very whatever. And it's like, okay, I'm going to integrate this. Exactly. And, and, you know, you're going to pay some guy, you know, a thousand dollars a month or $10,000 a month in some cases to, to upkeep. Right. Yep. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, (laughs) that's kind of where that is. Right. So, uh, it's nice to see that that is actually coming. Uh, you know, you're, you're a lot closer to having that kind of experience.
0: I haven't had a chance to uh, test it yet, but one problem I've been having with my, is a very Phil problem, but is my Plex uh, instance and my LG TV just don't play nicely together. So um, for whatever reason, uh, when I you know cast something from Home Assistant to my LG TV, the instance of yeah. the uh, Plex app on the LG TV, uh, Plex will try and start streaming the video and then it will come up with an error. And I've Googled the error code, um, nothing, I can't debug it. For whatever reason, it's just uh, Home Assistant uh, is having the issue. I think um, for whatever reason, uh, yeah, it's just if I try and screen, stream something from the Plex app, it works. But yeah. not from Home Assistant. I'm hoping, you know, with all these local media changes um, and the casting updates, maybe it'll fix it. Um, but yeah, obviously, I've just re, I've also you know, just done a fresh install of Home Assistant, so maybe that'll fix it as well. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That's my right driver, yeah. That's That's all good. Um, So Phil also mentioned this one earlier, which is the changes to the device tracker entities. Um, So, you know, starting this release, uh, components won't automatically add the device tracker entities. Um, So again, which, good and bad, Right bad because it's like one more step but it's also good because you know sometimes you don't want to track people or sometimes you don't especially if you have that privacy mindset even even within your own home even though it is locally hosted and everything Mm. um sometimes you know you might have kids that are just not comfortable with it or or parents that are uncomfortable with it or, or a spouse or yourself that's not comfortable with it right so even just having, like, the Wi-Fi, as I meant, like, my Wi-Fi example before, right?
0: Like, yeah. my home assistant, like, there were so many device trackers, I have no idea what they were, right? Like, yeah. literally a friend comes over and you give them the Wi-Fi password and then they, you know, don't come over for a month or two and you've got this device tracker that hasn't been home for a month. You're like, what was that,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't care about, like, Joanne's iPhone in my... Yeah. <laughs> in or even my... worse, that's if you know the host
0: name, right? Or you might just get a MAC address and you're like, what is this, right?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So... It's nice. I, I, I actually kind of like that. Um, again, I'm, I'm okay with doing the one extra step, right? But uh, mm. if that means that I can tweak and customize a little more uh, or be, be selective of who I'm adding on to here, right?
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, so here's a cool function that's been added to people that use templates. Uh, I'm a heavy user of templates. I love uh, templating in Home Assistant. So I think this is going to be very useful. I did have to do some Googling just to work out what uh, it was. It was a bit confusing for me in the release notes, but there is now an immediate if function available. So um, let's say you need to return a value um, if the state of the kitchen light is on. Um, there's now a function that you can call is isState, um, you know, like kitchen on, yes, no, and the final two parameters are, you know, true or false, and that gets returned. Um, It basically just reduces the amount of code that you need to do. Um, If you have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, I've got an example in the show notes. And if that still leaves you with no idea what we're talking about, ignore me. This is probably not for you, but (laughs) I think it's a great addition. So thank you for implementing that. Yeah.
1: Apple TV integration now supports uh, TV OS 15, and uh, what's cool is that there's also app launching now support. So, which is pretty neat. So I can say, "Hey, go, you know, whatever, turn on my TV, do all this stuff, and open the Plex app, or open Netflix, or YouTube, that's or cool. w- whatever." Right. So that's yeah. that is actually really neat.
0: That's um, like I don't use uh, Apple TV, but that's like similar to how I'm using my LG web OS, right? Um, yeah. Because I've got uh, those like NFC cards, um, and you know I've got like movie posters printed on the NFC cards. Um, yeah. The idea being that my daughter will be able to tap a Home Assistant card reader, and what it does is there's an automation that fires, turns on the LG TV, selects an app, um, in this case Plex, and then yeah. uh, tell Plex, you know, once the app is loaded, to then go and play, you know, whatever item was scanned. So assuming that yeah. you could get Plex to run on the Apple TV in a similar manner, you could potentially have an automation uh, to do the same thing. So very cool yeah
1: that is amazing
0: um if you have a mazda electric vehicle um the mazda integration in home assistant has just had a update so there's new electric vehicle sensors Um, includes the charging level and the remaining range of the vehicle so yeah you can get an alert if you're running out of battery yeah that's cool
1: um soma tilt devices so there's now support for those um so the bluetooth blind integration um so again there's an update where you can now use the tilt and twist version uh, which i think is handy that's actually stuff that i've looked at in the past so it's good to know that it's uh even more being built out
0: yeah i've got a couple of uh soma blind controllers um and i think they're fantastic so i've, I've seen the tilt uh product for a while i haven't used it yeah um but yeah i think you know if it's if they're as good as the original devices that they've got then yeah there'll be a lot of useful people out there
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and it's I, I i genuinely i just wish these products were cheaper yes um i i i totally get the you know and D that goes behind it the quality that goes behind it and stuff but 150 bucks is very steep for that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking right next to me. I've got three windows, right? So
0: <laughs> well, that's it, right? Like I am, same thing. I am looking at, you know, automating some other blinds around the house and yeah, it's whatever way you cut it, it's not cheap, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not in a position where I can actually run electricity up there and, mm. and make my own smart blinds and that kind of stuff. So, you know, for, it kind of has to be battery for me. Um, and, and I know there are, there like the my smart blind and there's, a, there's a whole bunch of different types, mm. but again, all of them end up being like, you know, one to $150, yep. right? So us. So.
0: And depending on the size of your window, right? Like I thought, oh, that's fine. You know, I'll just put some Ikea blinds in, right? The, um, yeah. Right. I thought fantastic. But the Ikea blinds, like they only have a certain uh, width that they go to, hmm. right? They're and not customizable. Bl- yep. And if your blinds, you know, if your window is bigger than that width, you're out of luck, right? So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yep. Blind. it oh, is what it is. That's but it. oh well. All right, let's talk some new integrations as a whole.
0: Um. So the first one off the cab of the rank, I'm really pleased to see. I was actually surprised to see in the show notes. I thought, hang on, what's that doing there? Um, Aussie Broadband. Um my isp i was like oh hello um it now allows you to track usage and statistics um for aussie broadband customers uh which is for both internet and phone accounts so you'll be able to see cool. uh you know how much data you've used when your next rollover date is um and all that so cool to if you need to track that or want to get some average uh statistics out of there you can now track it in home system that is neat
1: and OpenMediO, uh, so that integration is uh, essentially the new f- uh, free weather forecast from OpenMediO, um, and so basically they've got APIs for uh, open source developers and non commercial use. So you don't really need an account or an API key. So you can just kind of pull that data in, which is I actually kind of like that. There's no you don't need to maintain another thing. We're like, oh crap, yeah. what is it? what is it? It's expiring. Blah blah blah. So, um, yeah, it sounds like that's a decent um, you know, way of doing it and they collaborate with national weather services. so, Maybe it's just me, but there's been so much just talk about um, weather uh, integration into into Home Assistant lately. But I, at least, at least from what I've seen,
0: yeah, it's probably my fault. I think so. I was last very last episode. I was like, oh, I I need to move away from Dark Sky and and it's annoying me. And I didn't know what to use. Yeah. Um, but now that I just did a clean install of Home Assistant, I think um, the default integration that Home Assistant ships with um, is uh, which one is it? It's the uh, net.no service. Um, so mm-hmm, I wonder mm-hmm. if this uh, integration, uh, what's it called, open Meteo, uh, is going to be any better. I'll have to experiment. Uh, I guess they're both yeah. free. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll see what the difference is. Um, could, be, could be a good replacement, but at least, you know, Home Assistant's shipping with one enabled out of the box, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Alright, this is an interesting one that's come in. Uh, RTSP to WebRTC. So this is an integration that registers uh, with a camera integration to provide a WebRTC live stream for any RTSP camera. So, if you've if you've done any uh, you know security cameras around your house and using you know IP cameras and all that, you'll probably know what these um, acronyms mean. The integration initiates a connection to an RTSP to Web or RTSP to Web RTC proxy server, and then it converts that into an RTSP stream uh, for a Web RTC stream. So I'm guessing you know you can use Home Assistant as a to view you know other types of cameras in your Lovely dashboard that previously you know you couldn't do um,
1: as a, as a live card. Maybe I'd be curious to see if this is just a like if this is so. Do I have to run the a secondary proxy server for this to be? Yes, and I'm guessing that's the case, right? Yeah. So, and then Home
0: connects to that proxy server.
1: Right, right, and then and then from that point, so this is actually pretty cool because again, a lot of a lot of cameras that don't offer WebRTC, and if you require WebRTC for for whatever, you can mm-hmm. actually just you know leverage this and uh and yeah get that so that's actually pretty neat and here's another one for you bathroom uh loving integration people uh so steamist not streamist Steamist it will allow you to uh monitor the state of your steam shower um so i guess they they, they build and produce steam showers yeah and you can turn on and off the steam generator so i guess that's uh, it's interesting i think i think it, that'd be handy especially if you're using like a voice uh system to be like hey you know turn on the steam turn off the steam um so is,
0: yeah. is that like a, is a do you think that's like for a sauna or something i've never heard of a steam shower before
1: like um food? i think it's the one where i I've, I've seen them um i wish i had one but i, I do <laughs> not Well yeah, like, yes it's
0: stylish design for every luxury location
1: yeah i think like think sauna style yeah right yeah. All steam showers
0: have three basic components the steam generator the in shower digital control and a steam head and in each of these key areas steamist offers unparalleled quality and flexibility.
1: Wow. Okay. There you go. Well, they 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 can pay us now for for that, <laughs> for that plug. No I'm kidding. It is it is cool. I mean, I I, I really like those kind of things. Um, Clearly, I have not stayed in a uh, luxury enough location to warrant a, a steam shower before. So yes, yes. No. You, you need you need to up your uh, style. Up
0: my style, apparently. Um, there's 450 designer finishes in case anyone's uh, interested. So. Um, yeah, someone clearly is because they've created the integration for it.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, steam cool. showers—the the merrier. Steam showers—I've never heard of them, but there you go. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. they there, they're, 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 I mean, again, apparently it's supposed to be really good for you, and and whatever. Again, we're mm. definitely getting on a tangent here, <laughs> but but apparently it's it's supposed to be, uh, you know, pretty like it, it's good for your body, whatever, right? And yeah. and listen, I, I will never turn down a sauna-like experience in my bathtub, um, but <laughs> but, right. but I. You know, uh, hey, listen, if if I ever have the money, and, and again, I, I haven't looked at how expensive these things are. I mean, from what Phil described, it seems very, quote-unquote, luxury.
0: Only the luxuriest uh, of luxury locations can have a Steamist shower.
1: <laughs> that's right. So, um, I mean, again, hey, it'd be pretty cool. But yeah. again, Steamist, if you'd like to sponsor us, we are always open to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no fancy but, yeah. voice required. Uh, I that's right. That's this. right.
0: Yeah. All right, some breaking changes in Home Assistant. Um, Now, if you're looking at the release notes, there's a whole bunch of breaking changes, you know, um, 2,500 contributions this episode, uh, sorry, this release. That doesn't mean um, that it's all bad news for breaking changes. Um, I'm going to spit off a whole bunch of uh, integrations in a minute, but most of the um, breaking changes are actually from uh, YAML moving into the UI in terms of... uh, what has been done in previous releases. Right. So this is now um completely remove your yaml if you already have it in here. So any of these integrations including Flume, Foscam, Enface Envoy, Azure Event Hub, Environment Canada, Open Garage, Aurora ABB Power One Solar PV, effigy Magic Home, Broadlink, the CO2 signal, DLNA Digital Media Renderer, Nuki, Honeywell Total Connect Comfort. Google Maps Travel Time, Philips TV, TP-Link Casa Smart, Alert, VLC Media Player via Telnet, the Logitech Squeezebox, Samsung Sync-Through Printer, the Waze Travel Time Sensor, SMA Solar, Netgear, the Nmap Tracker, and Kinetic NDMS2. All those integrations can no longer be configured through YAML. You must configure them through the UI. And if you have the YAML still somewhere, you may uh, need to remove it in order to run home assistant.
1: Yeah. And 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 again if you're seeing issues and stuff check your logs cuz it'll probably yeah. be shown there. Yeah. Um so again to what Phil said those are just stuff that's that's you know moving to the UI um we typically you know see a couple of these anyways um and this is just you know the compilation of that essentially it's it's mm. getting pulled out of the code. So uh some other breaking changes uh so Z-Wave or Z-Wave JS um uh, so because of a schema change uh you essentially need version 1.14.0 or greater of Z Wave JS server. Um so just make sure you're uh using the latest version. Yeah. So no, um, I have I have heard really just talk to a couple of people. I've I've heard pretty positive things about uh Z Wave, Z Wave, whatever you want to call it, JS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people seem to be genuinely impressed with it, at least for the couple of people that I've talked to. So yeah, well, how about you talk to me? about... Okay, okay, okay. As I just mentioned before, I've, I've got a fresh
0: instance of Home Assistant within a year, right? Um, and uh, I ditched my Vera Light. I had a, a, a Z-Wave stick uh, yeah. hanging in my yeah. um, box somewhere. I thought that's it. I've seen, like, we've been doing this podcast, you know, for donkeys years now, right? And I've seen yeah. z JS has come along, so I thought I'm going to give it a try. And yeah, can Garrett, like, can I can say I've been very impressed? Um, so I'm using. Uh, Home Assistant in a Docker container still, so I had to spin up a, a separate Z-Wave.js container. Um, so z to MQTT, I believe, is the container I'm running. Um, and I've put in uh, the Home Assistant WebSocket uh, URL, and mm-hmm. it just talks to each other. Um, even to the point where inside Home Assistant, there is a link device button. Um, yeah. And I, when I link a device through Home Assistant, it comes through the UI yeah. through there. So I've been very impressed with that integration.
1: Nice. No, that's that's awesome. Again, I I I run all Zigbee in my house, so I, mm. I don't I can't relate. But I'm I'm you know it, it's kind of nice to see that, that that's kind of where it's going, right? Uh, yeah. To see. Um, you know that how solid it is and stuff. And I know, I know there was a while when you know the Z-Wave stack in Home Assistant. You know, a lot of people had a lot of complaints about it. Um, yep. Hey, this always breaks. Hey, this that. Like, and and you know, I'm glad to see that uh, you know this project has really worked out. And and if you caught the uh, state of the open home um, session, uh, you know there was a full session around, uh, or there was a conversation around that with uh, you know how how it works, why it works, and and kind of a little bit about the project there. So definitely check that out pretty pretty neat. Uh,
0: the only complaint I will have about z wavejs is uh, it's not z JS it's more of the the home assistant sort of the talking around of it was that yeah. um, when I went to run Z-Wave JS I thought oh, um, right, I'll just go in hit the Z-Wave JS button and away I go I'll give home assistant access to my Z-Wave uh, stick through the USB but they are actually still separate projects so um, and I guess the confusion sort of came to me personally from Zigbee. So uh, ZHA right. in Home Assistant now, you know, I uh, you can run and link devices directly through Home Assistant. Home Assistant will be able to uh, manage and link, you know, all your Zigbee devices in there. So I assumed with this their Web JS, they had sort of brought that into Home Assistant as well. Um, it's not the case. So if you're running uh, Home Assistant OS, I think you can use like an add-on from the add-on store um, that's officially supported. It's, you know, like you can basically do the whole setup in the UI. But because I'm using Docker, um, there was, you know, I had to go through some, you know, additional setup process to install Zwave.js as a separate module um, for myself. So totally like it's, like the the guides were there, I was up within you know a few minutes. I just from my uh, my right. I guess, my lack of understanding, I just assumed that it was built into Home no. Assistant itself. It's not. I, I know I mentioned just before how the UI is very uh, the talks very nicely together. It does, and that's fantastic. But it's still you still do need that extra you know separate ZWaveJS component running, which makes sense. They're different you know architectures. Um, yeah, I think ZWaveJS is using uh, Node underneath, and Home Assistant is written in Python. So I, I totally get it, um, but yeah, it was just a. I thought it was a bit. Oh, hang on a second. They're not all
1: together anymore. Yeah, yeah, and 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 if for for folks that are looking at doing it, I mean, think of it as it's like akin to running um, Node Red as a separate service, but yep. you know, kind of you you, you kind it, it talks to Home Assistant, right? Yep. and or or even like an MQTT server where you run a separate MQTT server. Uh, even if it's in you know Home Assistant OS and stuff like that, it's still it's still a separate container that runs its own thing. It's just that now the two entities talk right between Home Assistant and whatever other entity. So in this mm. case, said JS. So think of it Cause like that. It,
0: yeah, because the last time I used ZWave in Home Assistant uh, natively, I guess was uh, with Open ZWave, right? And that it was built right into the core. You know, the, the ZWave configuration file. Uh, sat in my Home Assistant configuration directory. So that's where I assumed z JS would go. Mm-hmm. But no, not the case, which is fine. I'm not complaining anymore. Um, but that was just uh, a bit of a, oh, hang on, this is completely different. And, you know, it's got its positives, yeah, right? Yeah. Home Assistant doesn't have to maintain it and do hacky yeah. ports with Z anymore, so it's good.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So,
0: no, I'm glad to see that. All right, another breaking change, uh, HomeKit. So... HomeKit will now automatically exclude entities with an entity category, such as a configuration or diagnostic entity, unless they have been explicitly included. So this is something uh, we mentioned in the last release, or maybe it was in November. Um, So it looks like they've just uh, added uh, that same logic now into HomeKit. Um, To explicitly include an entity, um, you'll need to add an entity filter in YAML with either the include entities or include entity globs fields. Um, so uh, if you're using YAML, you should be familiar with those. Otherwise, via the user interface, you can select the entity in the UI and um, put it in include mode. Um, and if you're using exclude mode, there's a second bridge can be created um, and then put that in include mode, which sounds rather complicated, but there you go.
1: Yeah, hopefully there's an easier way to do that in the future, but. Yeah. So GPIO integrations. Um, so as of re- this release, uh, all integrations that interface with GPIO directly are being deprecated. Now, uh, the biggest reasons for this is the low usage of these integrations. So again, for everybody that opts into uh, you know sharing your analytics data with with Home Assistant uh, or with Nabucasa like or well, Home Assistant really it's uh they're able to tell you know the usage of these devices and stuff and that's all openly available as well you can as well um and the gpio isn't one of those things that are typically used so they're not going to forbid the use of it uh so it's not it's not you know it's not um you know banned or anything like that obviously it's an open system but They're just not going to support it. And if you want to do, if you want, if you want to continue using the GPIO pieces, um, then, then you can, but they're just removing it from the core. So again, if there's any custom integrations that people make and things like that, those are absolutely usable. Um, but, uh, they're also saying, and, and I don't completely disagree with this, is use kind of dedicated hardware, like a cheap little ESP device or something like that. Um, you know, again, it, it, it is an extra 10, 20 bucks, but. Again, it's it's still uh, it just scales a little better, um, and and for me that's personally my reason. And the other piece is also as people are moving moving around different platforms and things like that, it just stays a little more consistent. So um, you know you don't need to have a the GPIOs in your Raspberry Pi or whatever it is that you're using, right? So uh, and and if you have none of the if you have no idea what any of these means, then you do not need to worry about this breaking. Yeah,
0: if you're running Home Assistant OS, then you would not need to know. I don't think you have exposure to the GPIO stuff anyway. So, um, yeah, it's only really if you're running like on a Raspberry Pi or something like that and you're running it without any Docker or anything like that, you have direct access to those pins. um, Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, The fan, humidifier, light, remote, siren, switch, and vacuum platforms. So Uh these are previously toggle-based entities. Um, they could have a state of on or off. And in case the device was unreachable, it would be unavailable. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of other entities, they weren't able to have an unknown state. um, But this, as of this release, has now changed. So as of now, those toggle-based entities can now have a state of on, off, unavailable, or unknown. Um, And this also applies for binary sensors as well. So if you have any automation set up and you need to, and you're looking, you know, has this state gone from on, off, or unavailable, or something like that, Mm -hmm. you may need to just update your logic to include the unknown um, state. Sort of bringing consistency to all the platforms, it's sort of a, a tricky one. So yeah, I guess that unknown state is, you know, there for consistency, and it's also maybe in, you know, like... When my home assistant is starting up and the component's not ready, is it unavailable? We don't know yet. Is it off on? We don't know. It's unknown. Um, yeah, it's it is what yeah. it is. I think it's a good change. It's you know ensures that you know uh, if you do want a, an automation that you rely on unavailable, you actually know that it's unavailable and not in limbo. If that makes sense. So yeah,
1: I, I swear, I swear they made a change to something like this a while ago, maybe about a year ago or something like that. Am, yeah. am I? I think,
0: I think think so. And I think this is sort of the sort of maybe they did it. And now this is like the, oh, hang on, we've done it here. We should probably, you know, apply that logic elsewhere. And this is sort
1: of the catching up of that. Right, 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 right. right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So iOS. So the Mac app uh, or iOS app supports uh, notifications actions to find the notification itself. Uh, and the old method of defining those push categories in the iOS integration is now deprecated and will be removed in the future. So again, you can do those notifications within the notification itself. I know that sounds like a little meta, but just, um, again, read the documentation. It will explain it further.
0: Yeah. You, I know iOS is a popular platform out there that people are using. so Yeah, especially with yeah those, I'm you know, definitely affected by this. <laughs> yeah, the macOS apps, right? So they'll definitely, yeah if you're using ios um notifications just make sure your notifications are set correctly
1: yeah yeah and and i think that more applies to to the actionable uh notifications yes rate, so yeah
0: or yeah the, the categories i'm guessing too like if you want to group all your notifications together
1: yeah yeah exactly so I, I i always hated how you define the actions in one place you define the notification in another blah blah like to me that like just in my brain just didn't make sense yes yeah um i i do have it working at, but it actually took me quite a while to get it working right because i was like huh what like this is this is here that's there like like what's going on yeah um bit bit of brain fog with that one but and and i don't know if it's just me or if that's if everybody's finding that but yeah so this i'm i am actually very happy that I'm i'm happy to make this change so that in the future i know what the hell is going on <laughs>
0: Alright, groups, and specifically groups that contain locks. So the behaviour of grouped locks has been reversed such that unlocked is mapped to on and locked is now mapped to off. So this means that a group with mixed domains will be considered on if any lock included in the group is in the state of unlocked. A group of locks will be considered unlocked if any any lock included in the group is unlocked. So I guess um, you know if you've got your front door and your back door in a single group, um, and one of those is unlocked previously, uh, that group state would be locked. Now the group state will be unlocked. Um, so if you're using groups uh, as your automation state or you know as your automation trigger, that you will need to update your automations for those cases.
1: I I, I really hope that and 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 to me, this is one of those things because it has to do with locks and things like that, right? It's a physical security thing mm. um you know, a part of me hopes that there's some kind of notification when you upgrade and you know like a little banner up top that you have to like explicitly be like like again, the logic would be they check that you have a lock and if you have a lock, hey by the way, this is you know there, there there's this is changing in in a very important way mm. that you need to notice, right like um and 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 I know it pertains only to groups. Um, but I think, I think, you know, this is one of those things which is important that, because again, especially if your logic in your, in your um, automations and things like that, assume one thing yep. and now it's doing the opposite all of a sudden, just because you upgraded. And, and, and again, let's face it, people always upgrade and not everybody reads release notes. Right. Um, I think all of us are guilty of doing that. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully you do. I try to, but even then I'm skimming. Right. So there's might be one that I missed. Um, so especially on a, on, on a, um, on, on a release that has this many changes, it's easy to overlook that. But I think when it comes to safety and you're relying on, on this system to, for it to be, you know, for, for your safety, I do think that you know, hopefully that's, that's something that, you know, if it's not today, that's considered, then hopefully tomorrow that's going to be considered that, you know, put something up just to be like, Hey, by the way, and, and I don't mean in the logs, I don't mean anything like that. Like in the, like put in a, a persistent, not a persistent notification, but I guess it is, it, it home assistant calls it a persistent notification yeah. where you can cancel it and be like, Hey, by the way, you know, this is happening. Right. Because when you do upgrade your, your thing, usually people would log in at least to look at the the uh thing the notifications
0: there yeah but like exactly. know, with the, the the pain is you know like oh a new devices discovered right um so i have yeah. a lock in my uh instance and there is no notification
1: yeah yeah so you know i mean i think it just for me because it's a physical lock i think i think i have a little more like again for a light switch or things like that yeah it can be crucial but fine whatever mm. um when it comes to the lock, I think I think I don't know. Maybe maybe this is just a me thing, but that that's kind of for me. Like I, I would want to know that, even even if I didn't read the release notes.
0: Yeah, I guess you could, you know, in, a, in an extreme scenario, right? Like someone's using that state in an automation, like to lock the house when um, everyone leaves, and now that automation won't work. Yeah, and, yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe they can use like the alert system. I think. Um, I know it's done per integration. Maybe they could just do like on the group integration or something or any integration that uses a lock component. Maybe they could do an alert for just for a month or something um, to, as a quick win maybe.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So something like that, right? So, yeah.
0: All right. So, yeah, that's that's that one. So watch out if you've got a, a lock on, in your groups.
1: Yeah. Nest, so the legacy works with Nest API is now deprecated and support will be removed as of 2022.5. So it's still there. It'll still work. It's just not deprecated. uh, Sorry, it's deprecated. It's not going to be supported. Um, And get rid of it. Yep. And Uh, if
0: you do want to use it, there mm -hmm. is, um, I think there's instructions on how to use like the developer portal or something. I think they call it. Right, right. Uh, yep, yeah, so there is documentation for using the Smart Device Management API instead. So use that. Uh, all right, uh, Tahoma, uh, that integration has been removed as it was broken. Um, it's If you do want to use it still, it's been superseded by the overkis integration. So, yeah, that's no longer available. Same with Arduino. That's just gone. Arduino was long gone, Arduino, so, yeah, gone. Gone. <laughs> Bye, Arduino. <laughs> Catch you later. <laughs> I don't think that wasn't working for quite some time. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so it's just it's just just pieced out so yeah <laughs> enough said there i guess i'll do this last one um ee bright box uh so it's been broken and disabled for about a year now so it's again another one's just pulled yep Go on
0: all right well that's home assistant release uh a massive release
1: yeah yeah um so there's a ton of stuff ton of changes ton of breaking changes um cool new things added you know a decent focus on experience as well so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing that
0: i think that's gonna be uh, it's gonna make this year exciting i think I yeah
1: yeah yeah agreed. especially with so, all
0: that open home stuff that they've talked about in the conference at the end of the year as well so
1: yeah yeah don't great. no no for sure um any other last announcements phil uh
0: so we've obviously talked about um our uh show that we're trying to kick off um so as i've alluded to today we've we, you know we've had some life events um i have moved into a new house so i've had uh you know to take everything down i'm running no automotions i feel very vulnerable um at the moment because i reset <laughs> everything back up um yeah. which is obviously you know delayed things uh, we mentioned before rohan you got married so no. um we are coming uh i think we're trying to do it sometime in february um if you're following us on social media. Um, We'll leave links in the show notes on, uh, on our new social media. We are slowly getting our things uh, in a row. Um, but sometime in February, we are hoping to do the first episode uh, of our new live show on YouTube and Twitch. Um, and, yep. yeah, we will like to see you there and, and join us live um, talking, you know, not just home assistant. We want to branch out into the smart home. Um, that's why it's, you know, we're calling it the All Things Smart Home Show. Um, yeah. And yeah, um, I'm pretty excited. What about you, Ron?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And, and there's already been um, like a hundred and something people that that are following us on on YouTube, which is yeah. amazing. I mean, we don't have any content there yet. I think <laughs> I think we just uploaded the logo like three days ago. So, yep. uh, you know, so you know, thank you everyone for for uh, following that. And yeah, feel free to go on, subscribe. Um, we'll we'll leave a link to our uh, YouTube uh, URL in, in the show notes as well and that way you can go in and uh yeah subscribe follow us see, see what's up and then yeah so hopefully around a february time frame we will have some content uh up and running so again the format we're mostly thinking right now is kind of a live show but again with just the nature of youtube and twitch and stuff even though it is live it will be recorded so even if you know the time zone doesn't work out for you or something like that it you can still catch up on it um yeah and and you know as phil and i figure out content and we get all that stuff done we'll be putting up more stuff so keep an eye out
0: that's it broham thank you very much another great release episode Um, speak to you soon all right cheers cheers if you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io that's h-a-s-s podcast.io
1: Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Caramandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.